here comes another edition of Talking Football Direct, the Bundesliga show, your source for all things German football. I am your host, Matt Herman, and this week we're just trying to stay loose and limber ahead of some major exertions to come over the next two weeks in which three match days are going to be crammed into such a tight space. That's after the Bundesliga's European sides play their decisive sixth group stage matches this week. With me to pour over it all is Ireland's finest, Ronan Murphy. Thanks very much for having me. And it's always nice to be called Ireland's finest. There's uh, probably 5 million people competing for that accolade. So uh, it's good to know I'm better than 4.9 million of the population, including every one of my family. That'd be glad to hear. <laughs> well, I've, I've not had the pleasure, in fact, to measure you against um, most of the people in Ireland, to be fair. So do you like how I, I, I snuck it to be fair in there? But... Yeah, I feel confident in saying this. Yeah, yeah. As, as long as you're confident, I can use that as evidence if anyone disputes the fact. I think this podcast is sometimes sometimes driven entirely by my confidence, so there's nothing new there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you, you've met someone almost or maybe just as, as confident. You've met your match here, so it'll, it'll be a very confident show, hopefully. Spectacular. All right, we're going to be right back with the best and the rest of Match Day 12. In the meantime, do subscribe to the pod. Leave us a five-star rating. Just be nice that way. It helps us get the word out about the pod, of course. If you really like us, become a supporter on Patreon. we got lots of timeless content over there, including the latest episode about Jens Lehmann's sort of <laughs> origin story, if it will. Maybe not what you're expecting. And you can help us set our agenda for the World Cup break. So don't go away. Here comes part one of Talking Foosball Direct, where we start off with the best of the match day just gone. This was match day 12 in the Bundesliga season. And, you know, we here in this league know all too well what it's like when there's a team at the top of the table who just refuses to fall off. The match day sometimes starts inauspiciously for them. Maybe their closest rival gets a big win to put some pressure on them. They might be a little bit tired after a series of midweek matches. They might even go down early in their match, but somehow, some way, they just keep getting wins. This season, the novelty, though, is that that team is not Bayern München. It is Union Berlin. The Irons, they picked up another three points to maintain their lead over Bayern in a way that kind of defied a lot of the narratives that have surrounded their rise to the top this season. It was a 2-1 home win over Borussia Mönchengladbach. They didn't get lucky. They didn't outplay their expected goal deficit on the day. They didn't rely on crack finishing from, uh, you know, Geraldo Becker and Jordan. Those guys have kind of gone off the boil anyway. They didn't play their sort of deep defending, counter-oriented game that they do favor. Gladbach didn't particularly want to let them do that. And still, still they won. Kevin Behrens scored with 20 minutes left to level the game. And uh, Danilo Doki scored with the last breath of the game. Ronan, what is your take on this weirdness? <laughs> how are Union pulling this off? And how far can they go this season? I don't know, and I think that's fantastic. I don't know what, how far they can go. I don't know what my take is. I, I don't really know anything about what to expect from Union Berlin every week because every week they keep surprising us with these fantastic results and, and these inspired performances. And they seem to be that everything is going right for them at the moment. They're extremely confident and at the risk of sounding like a, a kind of a, a B-red pundit on 
on Super Sunday on Sky Sports to have the grit and determination that was enough to push them over the line against Borussia Mönchengladbach and that was kind of the difference they have the belief and then going to every game knowing that they can get a win and this is kind of uncharted territory for them I suppose they're they are have that team unity and their new DNA, as, as those second red pundits might, might say too. But yeah, I think it's just one of these teams that we see now and then that kind of make the push and become a kind of an immovable object. And at the moment, that's what they seem to be for the rest of the Bundesliga. Yeah, yeah, it, it's funny how you, uh, you know, despite all the confidence you came into this show with, uh, you, you kept bringing up these second-rate pundits and, you know, obliquely comparing yourself to them. I, I think you're selling yourself short because, in fact, the coach of Union Berlin, <laughs> Urs Fischer, after this game, you know, said that it, it's crazy that this keeps happening, that this is, you know, a great moment in time for this team. It's wild. It's crazy. Really? And so he doesn't exactly have a whole handful of explanations for this either. Yeah, but uh, with the confidence that we portray ourselves to have, we should have an explanation, even if Horace Fisher doesn't. <laughs> it's true. It's true. What a chump. <laughs> Let's look on the other side of this for just a moment, because I, I do think Borussia Mönchengladbach did something interesting in this game. They, you know, I guess the last time we saw Union take a hit in the league was against Eintracht Frankfurt. And Eintracht decided to press them quite a lot and, and try and go for some sort of easier, I don't know, counter-press goals, goals where you're sort of picking up possession in the final third and taking advantage of that. And Gladbach decided to do something else. They decided to sort of allow Union to take a lot of possession, which is not something Union typically do, and still they worked their way through it. Is there anything that we can <laughs> – any lesson that we can draw out of these different methods that – Teams are pulling out of their hat against Union because, you know, I do have to say that Gladbach's plan worked for the first, you know, 70 minutes or so. Yeah, I think it's a bit like in American football when you have these kind of brilliant offensive teams and everyone is trying to see what will work and what the solutions are and they try different defensive kind of strategies against them and nothing seems to be working kind of like Tom Brady a few years ago to Patriots it was like oh if you blitz Tom Brady then he won't be able to uh, to play the game to his best ability but he, he did anyway regardless of what happened and it, that seems to be the case with Onion at the moment that it doesn't really matter what way you set up against them and also though, if you take into the fact that teams are viewing them in that manner now at the moment that you have to set up a, a particular way against Onion to stop them or to get a result against them rather than saying playing to the best of your own abilities it seems to be that teams have given are giving them the respect they deserve at the moment but teams are giving them a lot more respect than they would have in the past so that makes them a different proposition than ever before because they're seen as one of the big dogs maybe at the moment and, and obviously with the results they're getting rightly so yeah yeah for sure I mean this is a team that's not only leading the Bundesliga but um, do still have a chance to advance out of their Europa League group I mean in order to definitely advance there they will need a win in Belgium against Saint-Gilles partly because it depends on the result of Braga versus Malmo Braga do still have a chance to overtake them if you know, don't get a win but they might still advance with with a draw or a loss, depending on things. That's a, a big improvement on last year's campaign in Europe. 
especially considering this is uh, the big boy party uh, of the Europa League as opposed to the Europa Conference League. How have you been impressed with their sort of ability to deal with all the games that they've had to play this season? Yeah, I think they're they're showing kind of a good depth that maybe they hadn't before and maybe previous campaigns have given them the, the kind of a, the wherewithal to know how to juggle these midweek games, especially this season when they're coming so taken fast because of the World Cup. They're kind of piled on top of each other. And I suppose they even have the parachute or, or the kind of safety net of the Conference League, even if they, even if they don't get the result they need during the week they will only drop down into the Conference League. So it will be a successful campaign in Europe, regardless of what happens. They'll have something else to build on and more confidence to take to make them just to consider themselves the, the biggest team and, and the rightfully biggest team in Berlin for not just the short term, but the medium and long term. Yep, that's a point of comparison that sometimes comes to mind for me. Yeah, it's a, on a daily basis, <laughs> a weekly basis. Yeah, yeah I, I, I rent free in your head. Yeah, they're 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 not there every night. They're over most nights, but uh, some nights I forget about them. <laughs> let's move on. Let's let's talk about the game that sort of uh, put that pressure on Union that I sort of mentioned in my intro. That was Bayern getting a huge win at home over Mainz. This kind of felt like. A win of old from Bayern, the kind of win that we used to see them do quite a lot more often, that they were frankly pulling on a couple of occasions earlier this season before hitting a bit of a rough patch. But uh, a 6-2 result, not only a 6-2 result, but six goals from six different goal scorers against a side that I think, if I'm not mistaken, came into the game with maybe the, like the third best defense in the league. And Bayern just, you know, stomped on him. It was never close. Is this a good reminder for not just Union, but uh, everybody in the league that it's still entirely possible that Bayern are going to wake from their slumber and, you know, take off like a rocket? Yeah, it's always possible. And maybe this is the turning point of the season. I know we've obviously taught that a few times earlier in the season. They've got big results and we thought this might be the turning point. And from here, they kick on and they finally shown us a fifth gear or even a sixth gear in this match with the six different scores. But I think it was a, a big game for the squad players that they have coming off the bench to kind of to give them the chance. You, you had Matthias Tell scoring off the bench and you had kind of Gravenberch and getting more minutes under his belt. And because they scored so many goals so early, they, they had a chance to kind of to bring on these guys like they used to maybe take Lewandowski off when he had scored a couple in previous years. But the biggest talking point maybe, or the, the biggest plus point for Bayern Munich maybe, is Sadio Mane getting the goal into assistance because there had been doubts over him and it was kind of creeping in. There was criticism. Was he kind of oh, a dud, essentially, or a waste of money or things like this? But he, he, he proved, once again, why he was considered or is considered one of the best players in the world. And, so he can be a, a difference maker for Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga and in the Champions League. And I think he, once he kind of adjusts or settles in a bit more, gets used to what Julian Nagelsmann wants him to do, he's just going to be an unstoppable force in the Bundesliga, I think. Yep. Not a whole lot of impetus for us to talk about Bayern's Champions League. They pretty much pack their bags as group winners in the group stage, they get a five-point cushion over Inter. So, you know, whatever happens, uh, 
on Tuesday night against the Italian side. Uh, doesn't really matter. I, I suspect we might be seeing a lot more of Matthijs Tell and uh, Ryan Gravenbash and a lot of other people who maybe had looked for more minutes once again. Yeah, I think it could be. And that could be the case with Inter as well because they've already sealed their progress. So it could yep. be a, a huge dead rubber for both teams. It's just move up the Europa Youth League and put them on the big stage. <laughs> yeah, I think that might, if you want to tune into one Bayern Munich match during the week, it should be the youth players rather than the seniors, perhaps. Nice. Okay, let's keep things moving along and uh, talk about a game that I think probably I don't know, created the most maybe anticipation and some of the most consternation after the game, at least among one side. That was Borussia Dortmund's 2-1 win in Frankfurt over Eintracht. This was a game that, you know, I would say most observers, including me, would say uh, Eintracht had more than enough chances to win and probably should have definitely should have received a penalty at one point when uh, Jesper Lindstrom was uh, being sort of manhandled in the penalty area, but didn't get called via VAR or on the pitch. And Borussia Dortmund were the team that actually took the three points with a late goal. I sort of saw this game and the way that it played out, despite the result, as strengthening my belief that Eintracht are Basically, an elite side at this point. I wouldn't say that Dortmund is always the measuring stick because we know how inconsistent they can be. But the manner that Eintracht went into this game and the way that they sort of imposed their will in this game, despite not getting the result, I thought, I don't know, I, I, I took a lot of positives from it. What, what do you make of Eintracht this season thus far? Yeah, I'd agree. I think it was, despite the result, obviously, it was a, a good game for them and a good performance and I think they can take a lot from it and they know that they're the match for teams like Borussia Dortmund in the Bundesliga and they, they can kind of take something from it into the Champions League because they have such a crucial game coming up against Sporting and it's kind of winner takes all there. A draw would be enough for Sporting but it, it's definitely winner takes all for, for Eintracht Frankfurt. I think they have the makings of an elite team like you, you said and this Champions League experience and the Europa League win last season is, is probably what pushed them onto that because they can attract a better quality of player now they can they have a bit more money so they can compete maybe with the big boys and, and be a top four team going forward if they can kind of keep performances like this and turn performances like this into three points on a more regular basis yeah i feel like this is going to be a result that stings for eintracht fans and Clearly, social media was full of stinging comments from that group following this result, that non-call from VAR. But I do think that, like you say, there's a lot of positives to take from it. Do we dare, as confident pundits, wade in to chapter umpteen of the VAR discussion? I mean, I feel like this is really reinforcing my belief that something in the sort of actual – I don't know, social relationship between the on-field referees and the, you know, the referees in, in the basement in Cologne, as they always say. Something about a reticence to overturn calls is really derailing the project. Yeah, I think you might be right there. And I think what VR needs is maybe to look at, at rugby and how they handle kind of camera replays and things like that because in rugby there's so much more transparency and it's explained to the players and the captains are brought kind of together by the referee and the fans can hear it and everybody knows why such a decision was or wasn't made 
I think that would kind of help a lot of the complaints that we're hearing from fans and we heard after the Borussia Dortmund Frankfurt game that they, at least they would be justifying it rather than later a two-line tweet or whatever coming out explaining that oh, there was no foul or there was a foul or whatever the, the circumstance may have been. If the fans in the stadium and the players on the pitch were kind of told, well, this happened or this didn't happen, then at least you could move on and it mightn't be as egregious as it was otherwise. And you could kind of say, well, clearly it's the referee's fault or clearly it's the guys in the bunker, it's their fault. But at the moment, it just seems to be everyone's frustrated and no one's getting any answers. Yeah, yeah. And the referee in this game eventually did sort of own up to the idea that this was a bad decision. That was Sasha Stegemann who was on the pitch and Marcos Hecke in the uh, – Robert Kamka. Marcos Hecke was the, the VAR assistant who were in charge here. After the game, he said, you know, I know now that I was wrong, that this should have been a foul. And there was some talk about how the process was somehow stalled or hampered by the fact that the available angles to the VAR team – were fairly limited and they didn't get to sort of look through enough angles in order to find the definitive one. And that just, that just sounds like such a bad excuse. I mean, especially in that Sky Deutschland, you know, who broadcast the game domestically and, and sort of took the feed from Sportcast to do the production, were showing definitive angles up more quickly anyway than the VAR team. It just all seems kind of kind of junky right now. I mean, I personally still have a little bit of faith in in the sort of the idea behind VAR because ultimately you want the refereeing team to have as much insight or as much of a of a view on the actualities of the game as fans watching on television do. I think that you know, there's a sort of – there's a problematic irony that happens when, you know, the fans at home all know that the call was wrong and they just have to go on. But it's gotten very, very fouled up. Yeah, it seems very amateur when things like that can happen. If you look at – there's people in the, in the stadium on their phones that are able to get better replay angles and can see whether the decision is right or wrong. And then the guys that are actually making decisions can't have the same angles. It's just something doesn't add up and there needs to be – Kind of, obviously, there's going to be a lot of criticism, and everyone's not going to agree with every decision. But if you're not giving the people who are making decisions all the tools possible, then sure, how can you expect it to be a success, or how can you expect the, the decisions to end up being right if you're not affording them the chance to make the right decision? Yeah, we call for a total overhaul. That's the definitive word coming out of this podcast. Okay. Briefly, we can mention what Dortmund's uh, got coming up in the Champions League. They basically are through. They would need to lose very big to FC Copenhagen and see Sevilla absolutely hammer City in order for them not to go through. So let's maybe expect a bit of squad rotation there as well. Why don't we move on to part two after a short break? Okay, here comes part two of Talking Foosball Direct. I'm Matt Herman. I'm here with Ronan Murphy. We're going to talk first about another 2-1 result. We just you know, mentioned the 2-1 result from Union, the 2-1 result from Dortmund, and now 
a 2-1 result from a team that is really not in the same league as them in terms of the, where the table is. But they are a team that really, really needed a win. That is Faust Bay Stuttgart. They defeated FC Augsburg, who really have been a lot more spry this season than in the last few. It was a huge injury time winner from Valdemar Anton. And I don't know. I was skeptical about the sort of signs coming out of Stuttgart around the time that they got rid of Pellegrino Matarazzo and, and reading a lot about conflict at the boardroom level about what kind of replacement they should hire or should it be a, you know, an old hand to come in and steady the ship? Should it be someone with a little bit more sort of future perspective? And, you know, this is three wins from four counting the cup match that Stuttgart have played since Michael Wimmer was, you know, sort of within the coaching system at the club. He was sort of moved into an interim position. I guess maybe, maybe they got their guy. Maybe he's just got to stay for a while. Are you trying to say that Wimmer is a winner? Is that right? Yeah, Wimmer, <laughs> winner. It's just two letters and, and one totally different pronunciation away. But it's close. It's very close on paper. Yeah, I, I think if... Uh... If I was Rio Ferdinand, I'd be saying, I'd be putting the paper on the table and saying, get out, just sign that contract now. Like the <laughs> South Carter is. <laughs> oh, no. You know? Yeah, yeah. It worked out well initially. It worked out so well. Then everything went kaput. But um, I, think, I think you have to see what else is out there. Obviously, when you change manager, you're going to get some sort of difference anyway. You're going to get some sort of bounce back from the players. The, the new manager bounce or the no manager bounce or the interim manager bounce, whatever. And maybe the fixtures that they have played have been have been kind of favorable for them. But I think they have to see what else is out there because Wimmer, although he's had a good start, is he the right man to, to lead them in the long term and keep them in the Bundesliga? And if they had have lost at the weekend, we wouldn't even have, be having this discussion. It would be, who can they get? It wouldn't be, let's keep this guy on. So you have to weigh up all the options and, and see what's there. And if, if there isn't anything better, stick with them for another while and see what happens. Oh, yeah. I reckon you're right. I, I especially think in that they've already announced that he's going to stay at least until the World Cup break. And that break being as long as it is, nearly, you know, basically a two-month break. I think all <laughs> all necessary options will be on the table. So I think it's probably one to watch. Let's move on and talk about another team from Baden-Württemberg. That is... SA Freiburg. SA Freiburg are now third in the Bundesliga. They have got a 2-0 win over Schalke 04 in order to sort of tighten their grip on that place in the table. Can't say that this was a shocker. Watched the first half of this one, decided not to stick around for the second. Not a close game. Yeah, I think the second was much the same as the first. The same goal scorer in both halves. Mm -hmm. The Bundesliga's greatest Italian player scored again. It's great to see Freiburg doing so well and another good season from Christian Strike and our, our good friend John McKenzie should be delighted with, with how they're playing it so far this season. Indeed, indeed. Did, did Vincenzo Grifo, did he break out the Luca Toni special, sort of strange little like winding the dial on the side of your head celebration that he did in tribute to him when he tied the record last week? I don't know. I've seen the replay of the goal, but not the celebration. <laughs> I, I thought that was quite cool, actually, because, you know, any any time a player has a signature celebration, like to, you know, reference it on a goal like that, that's cool. Any thoughts about Schalke's coaching change? I mean, things did not exactly go smoothly with that. 
they sort of waited around to get their man, Thomas Reis, who was on the market for a while after losing his job in Bochum. Ruben Schröder, the former sporting director, former as of the middle of this past week, maybe, maybe even though he said he left for personal reasons, maybe this sort of herky-jerky coaching search might have played a role in his decision to leave. I am very, very unconvinced by the way this team has been playing, and I am not particularly convinced that Thomas Reis is going to make a lot of difference in keeping them up. No, I would agree there. I think all this kind of coaching search and the problems off the field are just kind of the same stuff the same crap that we we saw when they were relegated a couple of years ago so it's just kind of it's the same shocker that we come to know and love i don't think it, it matters who's in the dugout they're probably destined to be relegated anyway because they put in terrible performances on a weekly basis maybe even pep guardiola or jordan klopp wouldn't even save them they, they, they should have kept the, the money in their pocket and, and maybe hired someone else instead of race they should have saved that those few euros that they had to pay to back him to, to sign him out of whatever deal they had previous to get him. Well, apparently, Thomas Reis paid part of his uh, his get-out clause himself. Like, he was so keen to take the job. And Schalke, of course, you know, they're, they're not going to turn down free money. They said, yeah, sure. Yeah, pay, pay for part of this. Was he tortured in a previous life or something? Or, or why does he – why would he pay for this to happen to him? I couldn't say. I really couldn't say. I haven't I haven't uh, read a, a full postmortem on that uh, that particularity, but I did read that somewhere this week. Yeah, Freiburg. Freiburg still, still doing great, still looking very consistent, still riding high in the uh, Europa League. You know, they didn't win their fifth – game in five. They only got a draw this past match day. But they will be taking on Arabach and they probably won't play anybody uh, from their sort of first choice squad because why would they? They won the group and there's no reason for that on Thursday. What do we got next? Oh, that's Leipzig versus Bayern Leverkusen. It was a 2-0 win for Leipzig and there's still trouble in the waters at uh, Leverkusen. They are still dangerously adrift, despite the fact that, you know, losing away to Leipzig, it's a thing that happens to most teams. Yeah, and uh, I'm um, headed to, to Leverkusen next weekend to, to see them play Onion, so I'm hoping for a more interesting and a more even match than this one, and it, uh, I, might, I might get a chance to, to uh, try and figure out when I'm there what I actually is going wrong at the club at the moment, because they, they just don't seem to be the Leverkusen of the, of the last few years, and despite all the attacking talent and all the, the kind of young talent they have coming through, it, things just don't seem to be going right. And is Xavi uh, Alonso the man for the job? Who knows? We'll wait and see. But yeah, it's 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 kind of interesting to see what will happen with them between now and the World Cup and then for the rest of the season because this season looks like a dead duck so far. Nice. Now, you, so you're you're nipping over for the uh, the English week. As well, I'm going to be there next weekend too. Not not that game, but uh, some other. So, is that the only game you're taking in, or do you have another? Yeah, I'm a, I'm an honoured guest of of Leverkusen. I've, I've been invited over, so I think they're having a scouting conference or something like that. So excellent. So there's a, there's some there's some English English language media going over. So yeah, I've been I'll, I'll be winding down for a couple of days. So I'm looking forward to it. You're gonna like it. I've been through that experience. They run a good junket. <laughs> 
They do, yeah. I've been before, yeah. yeah. So I, I was quick to say yes this time. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Yeah, I'm going to Mainz versus Wolfsburg and uh, Stuttgart Hertha. Uh, oh, very nice. This next, next week. So very, very pleased with myself for finally pulling the pin out and getting back over. Yeah, as long as Hertha win. That's <laughs> we'll be getting there. <laughs> We'll be getting there. It doesn't always feel likely. Let's think a little bit about what's going on for Leipzig in the Champions League. I mean, they've certainly had kind of an uneven time there, but that win that they got last week over Real Madrid did them a world of good. They now have the inside track on going through over the next week. They have to go to Shakhtar and uh, sort of prove their mettle because Shakhtar if they get a win, we'll leapfrog Leipzig. But how do you see that playing out for them? Yeah, I think they have a, a very good chance of winning it. But as we've seen, Shakhtar have very talented players as long as they can find a net and don't miss easy chances. Shakhtar have proven themselves very resilient this season despite everything that's going on in the country. Obviously, the, the, just like the Ukraine national team has over the kind of past 12 months and you wouldn't begrudge anything of, of Shakhtar getting results, but I think Leipzig might just have too much, and they, obviously a draw is enough for for Leipzig to progress. So you would you would imagine they will progress. Yeah, I guess maybe we should talk for a moment about Leverkusen's Champions League campaign. They are still very much in the running to get themselves into the Europa League, you know, the third place spot in their group. I'm not sure, however. <laughs> that that would be a great thing for them. You know, if they were to, you know, win at home against Bruges, who I assume you'll be, you know, maybe taking in on, on Tuesday, I don't know. And if Atletico were to, you know, drop points against Porto, they could get into the Europa League. But I'm kind of of the mind that they have a lot of work to do in the league to get back into a respectable position. And maybe that's not for them. Yeah, it could be a blessing in disguise for them to be totally knocked out of Europe, like you're saying, because at least then they'd have fewer matches to play. And, but I think even if they were kind of going all out for the win to stay in Europe, and maybe Zabri Lanzo probably wants to, it could prove difficult because Bruges have been brilliant defensively, apart from the last time out. They've yep. been kind of impossible to score against. So it could be a very tricky game. So maybe... The, the plan for Leverkusen should be to kind of write this off and just just feel their their kids maybe and give them a run out in Europe and, and move on and, and focus on the Bundesliga instead because they have, they have bigger problems this season to worry about. Yeah, I kind of have a feeling it would be the most Leverkusen thing would be for them to get a big honking win at home against Bruges and then for Atletico to to beat Porto and it doesn't matter. So they still you know finish bottom of the group. Yeah, a, a, a last-minute uh, VAR result for Atletico would kind of be the icing of the cake there, I think. Oh, my God. That Speaking of VAR, that, we don't need to go off on that one too much, but that, that was so ridiculous, dude. I could not believe that call. I could not believe the way it came down. I could not believe. They just felt like they were going to keep playing until Atletico scored. Yeah, any time that, that someone points out that oh, VR is killing football, just point it towards that, those couple of minutes of highlights because there's nothing more entertaining that you'll probably see this season than the last few minutes of, of that Atletico game. Yep. Thank God for uh, who was who 
was it? Was it uh, Mitchell Backer? Yannick Carrasco. <laughs> no, Mitchell Backer getting in Carrasco's face after yeah. the, the the third the third miss of off of a rebound. Oh, it's it's gold. It's gold. Okay, let's keep things rolling. Let's talk about. Well, I guess we can talk about it. It's Cologne and Hoffenheim. It was a one-one draw. It was not. I don't know the most interesting fair from my perspective. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a pretty decent result for a Cologne side who are probably just trying not to get too bad of a result ahead of a decisive game in the Conference League. They have to play Nice at home and, you know, A, get a win and hope that uh, Partizan don't also get a win. But uh, getting getting through to the next round is, is a very strong possibility for them. Yeah, playing Nice at home is not always nice, but hopefully it will be this week. There, that's, that's all I have to say. Yeah, that yeah. well, they, they, yeah, they, <laughs> that'll take all the boxes. They had such a nice time yeah, uh, down yeah. there, so I, I can't imagine that those those Nice fans, if if they they turn up in any number, will uh, you know will do anything. They, they'll be a bit naughty, I think. Oh, very nice, very nice. <laughs> it's 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 late. It's late in the evening for you, and uh, late enough for me to to be making stupid jokes like that. Wolfsburg got a four 0 win over Bochum, and you know anybody getting a four 0 win over Bochum, I, I feel like it's just the spheres lining up in the way that we're all accustomed to them lining up. Bochum have uh, taken it on the chin a number of times this season. But Wolfsburg, I feel like I'm taking them a little bit more seriously than I was early in the season. They're not necessarily getting results week on week that uh, maybe are making their fans all that happy. But I feel like something positive might be going on there. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I think uh, having kind of key players fit again is making a, a big difference. And, yeah. and Nico Kovac, obviously, we, we've seen what he can do when he doesn't have the same limelight as he did at Bayern Munich, obviously. We've seen what he's capable of, of doing. And I think Fulzburg are, are the right fit for, for him at the moment, and, and they're the right fit. He's the right fit for them, say. So I think they could be onto something, and they could make a good push in the second half of the season and end up finishing them, finding themselves in a, a European position. And this match was a, a good one because they, they got goals kind of from all over the pitch, and that's kind of what they need in previous years they may have been too reliant on on a, a big man up front or whatever but now they seem to be kind of getting the goals from all around the pitch and, and that can make a huge difference for them yep yep I agree one more match to talk about probably not for long it was Werder Bremen's 1-0 win on Friday night against Hertha BSA not the most edifying game for the neutral I think it was it was hard fought I will give it that, but um, <laughs> I don't think there was a wealth of uh, you know spectacular football or great chances on offer. Do you have any explanation for Werder Bremen's ability to generate goals in the last, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes of games? Seems like almost every week. This game had nil-nil written all over it until, you know... <laughs> A looping header from Niklas Fulkrug somehow sort of squirmed its way into the net. Don't want to take anything away from Bremen here. I mean, if if anybody was a deserved winner in this game, it would have been them. I mean, Hertha were you know not so good, but 
I was still a little surprised that it happened. And maybe that's stupid of me because Werder score a lot of late goals. Yeah, I think that's just like we had Fergie time in the Premier League back today. That's full crook time. That's just when he scores his goals. If you start him, he won't score until the end of the match. And if you bring him off the bench, he'll score at the end of the match. So you might as well roll the dice and see what happens. And then he'll get your 85th minute winner or whatever. That, that's what happened here at the weekend. And it probably ruined your weekend, did it? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I, I, it kind of by at least by today, by Sunday, uh, it had worn off. But I was I was definitely not thinking positively for a little while after that game. But I'm not shocked. It's Herto did not play well against Schalke last week, despite getting that win. So I guess I shouldn't be shocked that I didn't play that well this week either. Hmm. Yeah, that's the life of being a Hertha fan. I think you you just have to you just have to take the the, the rough with the smooth and expect more rough. <laughs> there's there's a Twitter feed called "Masochists for Hertha," and uh, it's quite popular among the fan base. If you if, if you if you wouldn't be surprised by that. Yeah, it applies to everybody. <laughs> Pretty much, I think I think it might be an official official account. It should replace the official one if it's not. All right, that is all for this edition of Talking Foosball Direct. It was produced, as always, by Aiden Rantoul. Great to have you back, Ron. It was a pleasure, and hopefully we lived up to the billing that we set at the start of the, one of the most confident shows ever. So it's almost that we probably together we might have the, the confidence level of my new favorite footballer, Darwin Nunez. So, nice. You know, hopefully we, we got that, that amount of confidence in one short podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we shot the moon. We, uh, we spun the football around 360 degrees. It's all coming up roses for us. You can find uh, Ronan on Twitter at swear I'm not Paul. If you want to contact me, I'm at Mr. Matt Herman over there. Talking Foosball Extra will be coming up in a couple of days to give you your Zweite Liga and Lower League fix. Do say hi to Nick and the gang for me. Bis zum nächsten Mal, y'all.